Welcome to Travel Market Life, your companion for industry insight and professional and business development. Travel Market Life, join us by webcast, video or podcast. Hello and welcome to episode six of Travel Market Life. Today we'll be talking to Rob Russell, the CEO of AC Group, a destination management company and wholesale tour operator. They recently won the Queen's Enterprise Award and AC Tours has been recognized by the UK Inbound Awards for Excellence, being named Tour Operator of the Year and in 2020 and also saw them awarded the International Tourism Award from the London and Partners. AC Group works with travel agents to provide product and manages suppliers from hotels to tours and experiences, providing a range of experiential travel and programs, including the likes of Games of Thrones inspired tours, as well as organizing MICE corporate programs. And on the line, hello there, Rob. How are things going with yourself? Congratulations on the Queen's uh, Enterprise Award. Thank you very much, Ryan. Yeah, very well. Thanks very much, considering the circumstances we find ourselves in. Yeah, absolutely. Or at least you got some little bit of good news there with the Enterprise Award recently, um, which uh, I noticed uh, also Jacob Media, which is the owner of the UK's Travel Weekly, also won. So brilliant. Yeah, there were, there were some great winners in travel, actually. It was great to see travel being recognised so much in the industry. Travel counsellors were also a winner, which is one of our clients. So it was great to have a, a, a link there as well. Excellent. So, I mean, uh, things have been, we all know, incredibly difficult and we really want to have a look, uh, a little bit of a sneak peek as what's happening with the wholesale and tour operator market, the, the market that you work in, you're, you're sort of uh, between the suppliers and the sellers. Uh, so what are the challenges that you've been dealing with over the last few weeks and how are you having to approach the market from, from, from this point forward? What's your focus and what's your plan? Uh, well, the focus has been twofold. First and foremost, it was um, it was survival. It was lock things down, bring the staff numbers down to, through the furlough scheme um, to a core team of, of operators and then to work with our partners to uh, deal with rebookings, cancellations, moving dates, etc. Um, stage two now is, is that we're on to is stage two is coming out of it. Um, and it's setting an understanding of when that might be. Um, we've so far rebudgeted about four times since it started because we've been working on um, different deadlines and different dates. And we're working very, very closely with our partners. We're, we're fortunate, like you say, to deal with a variety of markets. But what that's meaning is that we're also seeing different markets are reaching their peak at different times. And the feedback each government is giving is very different. So certain people have got one idea of a timeline and certain others have got an alternative so we're trying to kind of piece that together to make sure that we're we're open in the right times with the right hotels with the right services but it's it's the uncertainty which is the challenge at the moment of finding that date yeah i mean uh, so wh- where are you looking to try to find out when we're going to get an idea of that date so i mean is it just listening every day at five o'clock to the government news to find out you know what their plans are or um are there, are there sort of uh, a few whispers going around from some really reliable sources that may give you that indication i think the, the key really in the i mean I've, i'm fortunate i sit on one, one of the steering committees for etoa and i've also uh, been very involved as a member of uk inbound so i've sat on a number of their webinars um taking advice and feedback from a number of the different um, organizations that they've linked with um to try and gauge a reaction of when this this might start to bounce back um there are obviously a lot of different media sources you can come to and i have to say i think the government of I've handled the 5 p.m. briefing very, very well. It's always been um, a useful time in the day to to see it and to see it, get a picture of what they feel is going on. Um, 
But the data sources very much have been from our partners. I've been picking up the phone regularly to um, my core partnerships and um, understanding from them their feeling on it. What, what's the date line that they've got in mind? When's their business planning to reopen? Um, for the UK, I think one of the big openings will be Warner Brothers, Harry Potter. Um, Warner Brothers obviously is a core um, product for an awful lot of the sightseeing companies and for the vast majority of those won't reopen until Warner does. So Warner is almost a gateway for when things will start to, to reopen. Currently, their date is the 1st of July. Um, whether that will move again is is to be seen, um, but that's when they're taking bookings from. So kind of at the moment, that is the the, the, the date that's out there, but we'll, we'll see if that moves forward again. Yeah, I mean, you're in that situation, as I explained, uh, between the suppliers and the sellers, and you're really bringing this product together. How easy is it right now to be working with your suppliers? I mean, I'm assuming a lot of them um, are in shutdown right now. They're, they're, they're on furlough. What are the conversations and, and, and how is that actually transpiring? How are you able to do that? It's it's a very odd conversation. I mean, vast majority of them are um, in a furlough scheme um, and we're therefore not able to talk to them about business relationships. But there are core people that are still working in all of the major hotel chains. There is still a team working. And with a lot of the other businesses that we work with, they're, they're privately owned. So we're actually dealing with the owners. Um, so I'm talking to um, a fellow owner of a business who also therefore isn't furloughed um, and obviously is engaged in in planning for the future. Um, so those conversations are, uh, are are always very honest and always very to the point. Um, and I have to say I've, I've appreciated even more than ever um, our close partnerships and our, and our portfolio of working with these small privately owned people because you have that more um, in-touch relationship. You can be more understanding of their openings, their their frustrations. They're, they're very, very similar to the same battles that we're having, and they understand it far more as well. It's you're not dealing with, with all due respect to them, because I've been myself. You're not dealing with a, a sales manager from a multinational hotel chain who's going to get be getting paid regardless. You're dealing with an owner who's trying to deal with paying 20, 30, 40 staff, um, and knows the frustrations that you're also going through. And does what sort of things can they be doing? Can can these independent providers or or, or, or companies be be doing right now, maybe to prepare for that? Uh, have you given been giving them any sort of advice or suggestions, or have you come up with stuff together? Yeah, there's there's been a lot of activity around um, promotions and activities for the future. We we generally would always look for certain markets of ours. We'd always look for things like early bird promotions. Normally, we'd kick that in in around September. Um, we're already kicking it in now for 2021, so that we're actually getting those those promotions in place very very early. We're seeing a lot of the bookings that are cancelling for uh, May and June, for instance, are already rebooking for 2021. So they're just literally moving 12 months. So we need to make sure that we've got those availabilities and those special offers and the same promotions loaded so that we don't suddenly put somebody off by giving them a massively increased rate. So there's been a lot of work going on, on in the background to make sure that those price points are in place, um, the promotions are in place. And actually, I have to say, a vast majority of our partners have been very sensible in their pricing. We're seeing a very, very few increases in rates year on year. Um, we're seeing most people being sensible to say, actually, we're just going to hold our rates across, or if there are increases, they're, up, they're minor. Um, we're seeing that a lot of partners are using this time to put a lick of paint on their hotel and to, to actually put, put some investment into properties that maybe they didn't have time for previously because they didn't want to take the rooms off, but they've now got the time to do it. So we are seeing um, investment going into partnerships and um, planning. Everyone's really appreciating that you are a partner now. There, there's a far more um, partnership approach, I think, at this moment in time because we're all in this together 
and that's what comes through i think from everybody that, we, that i'm talking to and this is where you can really deliver the experience. I mean, you've seen yourself with the tools that you've done, really finding those partners they, which you can collaborate on and give a whole travel journey experience to people. And um, certainly when, when I've worked with you, I, I found some of those tools and the feedback from people just fascinating. Uh, and when you start talking to the, the suppliers as well about the importance of being part of programs like this. And uh, you talk about pricing. And this has been an interesting one, um, particularly... Uh, uh, within the hotel sphere because there's a lot of obviously um, uh, technologies out there for hotels to be able to optimize their prices there's a lot of talk about dynamic pricing is this the end of contracted rates and and forward negotiated rates for a wholesaler perspective um, you know being part of dynamic obviously could could really cause a problem for you to on how you package your products and how you price them are you seeing these changes and um, do, do, do you expect that you're going to have to change the way that you start pricing your products from now on um actually on the contrary we do work with some properties that are on dynamic pricing but those properties that have gone to dynamic pricing during the course of lockdown i've had three of them actually come back to me to offer me static rates for next year um the reason being that in a static price obviously i can market it and i can promote it um dynamic pricing is wonderful in an online world um it works very very well for an online world but the scary principle of this is that the, the dynamic pricing is set by the, the revenue manager, the revenue director. And then the biggest problem that they have is they're being sold online. So they're selling this dynamic pricing to bed banks who can then sell it online. And then it causes the hotel a further problem. Whereas actually selling the static rate to an operator such as ourselves who are selling um, minimum of 60 days out and quite often it's up to a year out um, gives them the opportunity to bank that base business. And that's always been our message out there. So we are still very much pushing for the static contracting. We still work with a huge amount of our portfolio is programs and dedicated tailor-made programs. So for those that are booking and, and still issuing a brochure, we still need to have, to have that static contract. Um, and we are seeing it coming through. We're seeing it coming through in great numbers from a wider range of hotels, from the small boutique uh, four and five star properties up in the, the, the countries and castles and um, right the way through to city centre hotels. The most successful partners are those still with dynamic, uh, with static pricing in place. Okay, good to know. Thank you. Now, what what about your travel buyers? So to those ones who are actually selling your product, because you work with a network, right, uh, around the world, you've got people selling in, in, in North America, South America, Europe. Um, how, how can they be help help play part of this recovery? And, and what could they be doing right now? Well, it's, it's been very interesting for us to get that kind of picture from them of actually what they're seeing, what's their trend, what's coming through to them, what's the demand from travel agents. Um, and obviously there's a lot of media publicity around um, the airlines field. And the airlines are generally, for, from the North American market, the airline is the key for this. So as long as the airlines are um, dealing with, with refunds and dealing with date transfers, et cetera, that's the key for getting people back in the air and traveling. Um, from our side, the marketing is always key. Um, and we're very fortunate when we've got countries like the UK and we've got the office in Paris, they are, they are bucket list destinations. They're places that people will always want to go to. Um, and it's about really highlighting that. So we're very much at the moment, we're sending a lot of media out for our social media channels to promote the out of London experience. We feel that our product, uh, particularly in, in the country, in the UK, in the, in the countryside, is very social distancing friendly. 
Um, we do a lot of green spaces. We do a lot of castles. We do a lot of very small independent hotels. So the benefit of those type of properties and that sort of portfolio is you are not surrounded by large crowds. You are out in the open. You are um, available and, and ready to be in a very small part of whether it's just you and your family or, or just a couple or just a single traveler. Um, I would say that actually our portfolio is is, is already very well achieved for uh, and well well primed for a social distancing marketing campaign. I was going to say, because we are going to be expecting to see um, staycations and national travel uh, return first and more social distancing. What's that going to be mean for the big cities? Um, but I guess it's also a matter of how are your suppliers addressing um, the hygiene factors as well? Are you having conversations about how to make sure that you give confidence to travellers that you have had sanitised everything before they've arrived? I mean, yeah. How are you handling that? It, it's, it's an ongoing question. I mean, it's been great to see some of the posts coming out from the big chains, the, the Hiltons and the Marriott's that have come out with their policies already of how they're going to do it, which which is great to see. And I don't, wouldn't expect anything less from market leaders such as that. Um, the, more, the more challenging is for those smaller independent hotels. Um, and we're, we're in communication every day with them just to answer um, and find out how they're doing it and if, if there's anything we can do for them and if there's a message that we can be relaying out. It's going to be an incredibly challenging next 12 to 18 months for a lot of these properties because the, 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 the lockdown is one thing, but it's actually when you come out of lockdown and you've had to reinvest a lot of money without bookings coming through into these properties and into these, these programs to get them back up and running. And that that next six months beyond the reopening is going to be really, really challenging to deliver on all of these levels um, and to make sure that they can achieve the, the requirements. If, if you've got I heard a terrible story last week of uh, a hotel. Um, sorry, it's actually a pub in Scotland that's being told that you have a 60 person capacity normally um, in the in the world of social distancing. You'll only be allowed to have 12. So you're not going to be able to open. I mean, there is no way these these businesses can survive. So it's trying to work out how exactly that's going to look. Um, and that's what we need the government feedback for. We all, we're all waiting for that government guidelines and, and instruction to see how it's going to work because a lot of businesses are really, really going to suffer. And I mean, the latest rumour this week of 14-day quarantine on arrival into the UK, well, that's going to kill tourism. There is going to be nobody coming in to, that's going to stay in a lockdown for 14 days in a hotel before they can actually start their holiday. So we really, really need some guidance from the government as to the timelines for this, when it's going to start, why it didn't start six, eight weeks ago already um, is is another question. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a matter as well. Um, when we talk about transport, um, you know, we're already talking about distancing on planes. What does that mean for the coaches, uh, the trains? Yeah. Uh, there's going to be so many factors that we need to look towards absolutely um now there's been a lot of talk about this uh you know digital transformation forced digital transformation due to remote working um how has uh, what's been the impact of technology on your business over the last um, few weeks and are you exploring more tools or systems and and, and what and why uh, well, Zoom, Zoom is our saviour. Everything has gone on Zoom. Um, we are using it constantly for from morning meetings right the way through to client meetings for for every format of it. And actually, I have to say it's working really, really well. With the exception of, of a few days where the my, my own Wi-Fi has struggled, I think with capacity. I have two teenage daughters and my wife at home as well. So between them. All- trying to cram onto devices, it's, it's caused me some challenges. Um, but the, the actual process has worked really, really well. And I think that from, a, from going forward, it raises questions over um, some of the unnecessary travel that perhaps we would have done in the past. And I'm sure for, for the industry in, in going forward, it's going to raise a lot of question marks around some of the business travel aspects. 
I spoke to a, a, a supplier a couple of weeks ago that actually is based in the south and his office is in the north. And he commented to me that he's realised during this lockdown how many wasted train journeys he's had and how many days he's spent on trains going to the north to attend a meeting for one hour, but just feeling like he had to be seen in the office when he's been able to do it perfectly well from, from during lockdown on, on Zoom. And so going forward, he won't be making those train journeys. So I think that the reality is people have realised this does work and it can work if it's done properly. I mean, as a business, we've always um, encouraged home working for people that needed to have it. We have a couple of members of staff that, that following the Brexit uh, vote actually wanted to return to live in, in their own homeland in Europe. So we had a, we have a lady based in Spain. We have a lady based in uh, Copenhagen. We have a lady based in, in Poland, all working remotely already. And I think the reality of the last few weeks has made us all realise that do we need the, the flashy office in the centre of London or do could we actually all be working from home um, and put that money back into the business? And it's a question mark. I'm It's a question I'm certainly asking myself and I'm sure there are other business owners out there doing exactly the same. So I think if I was a, an owner of, of a big office complex, I'd be quite concerned at the moment for my future. Yeah, I must say I, I was in I was in the midst of uh, planning to get my own office, and now I'm thinking, why bother? Uh, so maybe yeah. I saved myself there. Um, but I mean, what? Uh, but your your entire systems, your platforms, they seem to be working absolutely fine. They're they're great for you guys uh, to be able to do business with. Uh, generally, you, you don't need to be looking towards. Yeah. Them. No, yeah. we we upgraded last year to to Office three sixty five. Um, so every had the capacity to be able to work remotely anyway um and it's it's a touch wood it's worked seamlessly we've we've been able to to access everything we've been able to work fine we haven't had any problems at all um so yeah i think from from that perspective this this experiment has maybe raised a few question marks for us in the future yeah i know that this great product that um microsoft 365 um fantastic um i've used it several times and it's great for collaboration um so i mean one of the big aspects that we've got to talk about uh, perhaps potentially the elephant in the room is um corporate travel business travel um we, we're obviously looking towards that for the market to open because that's what we're expecting to potentially happen first um but you also manage um large-scale corporate events uh, people coming over doing their travel programs um how are you expecting this market to change this is um this is a very good question it's one of the areas we are looking at at the moment quite uh, quite a lot and trying to get as much feedback as we can um very different to the leisure side i mean the leisure side is experiential people want to do it it's it's for growth um, the mice and the business side of things is more that they, they have to do it. And I think that this is where we're going to see change. Um, my understanding at the moment is there are a lot of big mice, mice organisers and event organisers looking to, to try things remotely. Um, and I actually believe that whilst the we're in a field, we're in an industry where people still like to meet people. People still like to go to an event and go and meet someone. And, and let's be honest, we all remember those days of World Travel Market where the busiest place is the bar and that's where all the business gets done. Um, and I'm sure that we will get back to that stage. But I think initially there will be a lot of um, reticence to attend to these events. And I think that there will be people that will look to go only to the smaller events and, and gradually it will take some time to rebuild up. I mean, I actually... Physically, I personally can't see World Travel Market happening this year. Um, so I'm expecting that the first real big trade show will be ITB um, next year in, in March. And it will be very interesting to see what the what the kind of footfall is to that next year. Um, obviously, it was late cancelled this year, and I think that will be a change. And talking to hoteliers in XL and in the XL region, there's a lot of um, question marks at the moment over the big events that have all been due to take place at XL that have all been moved. And they're all reluctant at the moment to put their rates out there for 2021 because they don't know when the events are going to be rescheduled for. But they're also unsure of what the numbers are going to be because 
there is this kind of acceptance that people will want to social distance. There will have to be capacity limits based on venues and destinations, and it will happen for us in 2021. So I'm seeing a lot of reluctance for people to actually commit. Um, I've read a couple of uh, comments, and I've been on a couple of webinars with, with large-scale event organisers, and they're all very worried for their future businesses. I mean, there's a couple of guys that I, did, that I deal with that were very close to exits and they were in their exit plan for selling the business and moving on. Um, and that's all gone on the back burner. So I think that there's a real pause and reset moment for, for that industry as a whole. Um, it's an industry that's embraced tech very well over the years. I think we've all seen at various trade shows we've been to, the tech has got bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and I think for, for a lot of them, that may now be the way forward. Yeah, no, it's um, I've got a friend of mine who built a business over the last four years in Germany. They just exploded and suddenly all their 35 events for the rest of the year just cancelled. And now, you know, his business, he, he's got a question about how, how he's going to move forward. And we are seeing this hybrid. We I think we're going to have to move to more towards more of a hybrid between regionalized events, global events for maybe the senior executives or, or specialists yeah. and really support um, some of the lower members or say lower members members lower in, in in the ranks to actually develop their connections um digitally and and and, and their knowledge digitally and um, you know there's been some great tools that you've been able to connect with people before an event and i've often found that that's sometimes more productive at meeting the relevant people than just walking around uh, a trade show right yeah, I mean, I, I always go back to my my starting career and my my growth into my roles. The, the biggest thing I ever did was get on the phone. Um, and over the last uh, few years, trying to encourage new members of staff joining the company, uh, young members of staff, they look at the phone as if it's a, a scary object. The the fear of talking to someone um, has been there, and it is very evident. You you watch them. Everybody can is more than happy to send an email, more than happy to send a text. But actually to pick up the phone and actually speak to somebody um, is, a, is a skill that is is on the wane. People aren't doing it in the same way. Um, and actually what I'm now seeing, and I certainly am seeing during lockdown, is far more phone calls happening. People actually are wanting to pick up the phone and talk to people. I, I read a story at the weekend from a, it was a young lady, 21, 22 years old, who's been on lockdown and unable to see her grandparents. And she said she'd used her phone seven or eight times a day, which she's never done before. She literally had her phone for years and never phoned anybody on it. Um, if she gets a call, she knows it's a mum because it's the only person that would ever phone her. Um, <laughs> and she would never actually use the phone herself. And suddenly, oh, it's quite nice being able to hear people's voices. And it's kind of, well, this isn't new. It, you've had it all along, but you've just been using it as a camera and as a, the, a social media device. I think that hopefully we'll now see that return to people picking up the phone, talking to people, the most successful business relationships we have are all people that you pick up the phone to. They're not people that you just send an email to and wait seven days for a response. You 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 need to get a deal done. You need to talk to people. You need to pick up the phone. And, and tools like Zoom and Google Hangout and uh, Teams and et cetera, Microsoft, they're all making that process easier. And I think that that, that really will be the future for us. It will be a case that we will have back-to-back -back days of, of Zoom calls and webinars and everything else because that's how we're going to learn and that's how we're going to work. And I mean, certainly since lockdown started, that's how my days have been filled. I'm finding I'm probably busier than I would be if I was in the office. Um, and I'm actually working nonstop from, from seven till seven or maybe beyond just making sure that, that things are ticking over. So yeah, it's, it's challenging times, but it's the technology is making it work. Absolutely. Yes, indeed it is. And obviously it wouldn't be if we couldn't connect like this right now, this minute. Um, yeah. Rob, thank you very much. Uh, final question. Uh, what's going to be your first holiday trip um, as soon as lockdown lifted? 
Um, well, I actually had my summer holiday already booked, so I'm due, I was due to be going to drive 101 uh, for the summer. Um, and at the moment, British Airways haven't moved their dates, so my flights are still booked. My hotels are booked. Um, I haven't booked any on non-refundables, I'm pleased to say, so I can get my money back. But if as long as lockdown is lifted and we're allowed to travel, I will be making that journey because um, the one thing I think I've earned in this, this lockdown process is a holiday, and I'm very much in need of one. And obviously, working in the industry, Certainly, the last thing I'm going to be doing is cancelling my flights and my holiday because I can't do that and then encourage everybody to keep coming to the UK and to Paris. So please, please, please keep travelling. Excellent. Thank you, Rob. And I hope to speak to you soon. All the best and stay well. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. Cheers. So uh, check out some of the uh, upcoming episodes that we've got. Uh, we're going to be speaking to Danny Wayne from Inter Home and the Institute of Tourism and Travel. We're also going to be speaking um, about uh, recruitment um, in the following episode. So um, check that out and we'll look forward to speaking to you soon. We're on uh, www.travelmarket.life or you can now finally see us on uh, Apple Podcasts and Google Play Podcasts. This is Travel Market Life with your host, Ryan Haynes, and we are joined today by Rob Russell, CEO of AC Group. Take care.